0: Podcast where we talk about the culture and filter it through God's Word. I am Jesse Goss, your host, and I have to say, how awesome is God? These times may stink, a lot of things are happening, but God is still sovereign, and that should give us peace. I know it's given me peace. (laughs) Um, I want to start off by asking, when is the last time you have thanked Jesus for his provision? these times have been most def- these times have most definitely knocked most of us including me off our high horse and it has humbled us all in one swift blow in a way so there are a lot of things that are unknown right now but to know that we serve a holy just and sovereign god that is pretty awesome and i know all over the world believers are praying I also know that all over the world, believers are going through trials much harder than mine, and persecution still exists in many corners of the world, and we should be praying for one another for sure. In Romans, Paul talks about how our tribulations improve us, shape us, and as we lean on the Lord, he sanctifies us further through his loving kindness and faithfulness, and we can find this in Romans 3-5 Five, three through five, and it says, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations, that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proving character, and proving character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And again, that's Romans five, three through five. And as I stated before. I have been seeing God work in my own life through trials. We were made stronger in our faith. I have been completely humbled. And honestly, since covid government dealing with the military restrictions overseas being separated for our family in the States, you know, Japan still has closed borders at the time of this recording. And honestly, this duty station being the complete opposite of what we thought it would be God has been so faithful. And I know I will look back on this time as a time that God grew me in patience, kindness, and honestly, a ton of patience, like mostly patience and forcing me to slow down and lean on him because I absolutely do not understand, you know, those times when nothing makes sense, which I think that's kind of universal at this time. <laughs> None nothing makes sense. Nothing, nothing is logical. There's no critical thinking. Um, the regulations here just make absolutely no sense, but there is one thing that I know that makes sense and that's the word of God and that's God's promises to us and going to the word, studying it, knowing the context and the meaning. And as we dig deeper into the scripture and finding that everything we are experiencing is nothing new to this fallen world, there is still sin here. And it always, I know I mention this a lot, but it always reminds me of ecclesiastes and in ecclesiastes one nine through eleven it says that which has been is that which will be and that which has been done is that which will be done so there is nothing new under the sun is there anything of which one might say see this it's new already it has existed for ages which were before us there is no remembrance of earlier things and also of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. And it's kind of eye-opening when you go to the word and you're just like, oh my goodness, like there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) So going into part two, idol worship of today, has, made, has been made very clear to us over these past almost two years. I am sure all of us are coming out the other end as completely different individuals as when we went into all of this, of when this all started happening and, you know, just the state of the world. And one thing that has stood out to me is idol worship of self. The majority of this installment is going to be focused on the idol worship of self because our culture is so deeply... Um, submerged in the worship of self and to fully put this into context i can't talk about it without talking about babylon and hello history context and backstory time (laughs) we have been going through jeremiah as a family and i gotta tell you it is so insane seeing the similarities i'm always like what that happened and it's so similar it looks exactly Not exactly the same, but the same thing, just different. And I'll get into that in a minute. But I just love how the Bible does that. It is so evident that the same sin still exists in the world today. Yet here we are with idols, just a different time and a different false God of the day. You know, Babylon was judged by God because of its idol worship. Well, Israel in Babylon. And one of the most, and Babylon too, by the way, Babylon was ultimately also judged but israel was judged um exiled to yeah. i can't talk it was exile, israel was exiled to babylon so one of the most interesting things is how the israelites were sent to babylon for exile but then god in the end judges babylon which is what i just said so god was using babylon as a tool of judgment yet babylon was not immune to god's judgment either so idol worship it's abhorrent to god The fact that we can easily believe that the same idol worship doesn't happen today, or we simply, you know, it's very easy to overlook it. It is very naive. And I myself was naive. I know about Hinduism and yoga, Buddhism, New Age, the counterfeit gospels. But as believers living in the times that we do, I believe we are so comfortable in the West, at least, that we simply don't believe that we have an idol problem in our day-to-day lives personally. We can look at the world around us and think, oh yeah, those people, but we don't really look at our hearts and say, wow, I have an idol problem. It just doesn't, I don't see it happening anyway. Well, today I am here to burst your bubble as well as talk about some cool historical facts since I'm also a history nerd. (laughs) And I always catch myself, you do probably as well, asking questions wondering well what's that where was that where is that today and the context of in which things happened in jeremiah 50 verse 2 says declare and proclaim among the nations proclaim it and lift up a standard do not conceal it but say babylon has been captured Bel has been put to shame marduk has been shattered her images have been put to shame her idols have been shattered and again, that's Jeremiah 52 50, verse 2. And Bel, meaning Lord, was another name the Babylonians used for their god Marduk. And Marduk was much like the Canaanite gods, like the Asherah and Baal, fertility, etc. So God means he will put them to shame, as in people would pray to these false gods to save them. And since they were rocks, they wouldn't. And ba- Babylon would be severely punished. And I want to encourage you to read Jeremiah and see how many times the Israelites were warned before their exile until it happened and many died. And, you know, God is so merciful for warning them as many times as he did through like in the book of Jeremiah, it just blew my mind how many chances they had to repent and turn from their sin and to get rid of their idol worship. And like we talked about in episode one, they had the Asherah poles up and they were worshiping. All of these false gods and having orgies and their sexual immorality, like Israelite women were selling themselves for sex to try and, you know, it's just like this whole religious orgy, child sacrifice mess. And it's absolutely abhorrent. So God, in His mercy, warned them I'm going to judge you and it's not going to be good. And it wasn't good. And everything God said was so, because God does not lie and it came to pass. And I just think about our world today and how we know that the answer is Christ, but the culture, you know, they hate God yet they don't believe in him. And it's just kind of one of those things and it's worse, but anyways, I digress. So Babylon Okay. So God was talking about the exile that was going to happen and how Babylon was going to take over and also about Babylon and how they also did not escape judgment. Although Nebuchadnezzar II was the king who got allowed to defeat Jerusalem and Judah. So Babylon's hanging gardens were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a pinnacle of class, the elite and wealth around 597 BC during the exile. So one of the most interesting things to me, although it would be super cool to see it in person, was God's promise to to Babylon. Um, It'd be cool to see the Hanging Gardens, I mean, not to see the destruction of (laughs) Israelites. I just need to make sure I clarify that. Um, (laughs) But I'd love to see the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Like, there's no they have paintings and depictions that artists have tried and it's just one of the seven wonders of the ancient world and it's kind of cool because we're going through that in my daughter's schooling um you know the seven wonders and uh, it's just really cool but jeremiah 51 29 says so the land quakes and writhes for the purposes of the lord against babylon stand to make the land of babylon a desolation without inhabitants and in jeremiah 51 43 to 45 It says her cities have become an object of horror, a parched land and a desert, a land in which no man lives. And through which no sin of man passes, I will punish Bel and Babylon, and I will make what he has swallowed come out of his mouth when the nations will no longer stream to him. Even the wall of Babylon has fallen down, come forth from her midst, my people, and each of you save yourselves from the fierce anger of the Lord. And another thing that's really interesting about this is God is saying that he will punish Bel in Babylon and will make what he has swallowed come out of his mouth. And so God is talking about the treasures of the temple of the Lord that were sacrificed to Bel and it will be returned to the temple in Jerusalem. And it was. And God is also telling his people to go back to the land because judgment is coming on Babylon. So while the Israelites, you know, Israel and Judah are in this exile, God tells them to go back to their land because he's about to put judgment on Babylon. So he used Babylon to judge Israel. And now he's telling them to leave like whoever was survived because so many people died, but God also promised that not all of them would die, that they would one day return. Um, I think, I do believe that's in Ezekiel. Don't, don't quote me on it, but So he's now he's warning Israel to return. And as I was studying Jeremiah, I was wondering what Babylon was today and where it was and what it looked like in the present day. And I know God's promises are true. And one quick Google search proved it to be true. Secular sources show photos of present day Babylon. And it is in fact, a desolation without inhabitants, (laughs) And Saddam Hussein tried to build a mock Babylon palace, and it looked super tacky. But come to find out, it also was abandoned because of the Iraqi war. And what I thought was really funny is, you know, of course, these sources blame the US for destroying, they destroyed Babylon. And I mean, U.S. forces were there, but it's like, what about Saddam Hussein building his mock temples and stuff on top of the very foundations of Babylon? I was like, that's kind of destroying it too, you know, but, you know, everybody makes America out to be like horrible. We're not perfect at all, but it's just, it's interesting. So who, Saddam Hussein actually believed he was Nebuchadnezzar the second reincarnate. And I found that surprising, but not And he had tacky paintings of himself and the ancient evil king, much like himself, uh, painted together in these mock buildings that, you know, he's trying to, I don't know, he was trying to make it like to revive it. And he believed that he was him. So it actually had some people freaking out and believing the end had come because Babylon was being rebuilt. Um, The Bible replies, babylon and revelation revelation like that it's a world system controlled by the antichrist and not like an actual rebuilding but we're not talking eschatology today but i just thought that was interesting that people were like freaking out because saddam hussein was building these tacky buildings on top of babylon um so this is just an observation but you see how war torn the middle east is and it makes me wonder if this is god's promise still at work today again this is all just me speculating and thinking about things and researching and there are also scriptures that directly speak about the arabs and making them wanderers and it just makes you think about all the tension that's in the middle east all the time but um moving on i cannot go through talking about present-day idol worship without mentioning abortion Going back to the self-idol worship. Um, Like, have you ever noticed that what happened in biblical past looks alarmingly similar to present day? Not, Not in like an eisegetical way to where I'm like reading myself and like the times into the Bible, but just that the sin never changes. It's all the same sin, just a different culture. And the deception in the hardened hearts we see today is just saddening mothers murdering their children in their womb on the altar itself and ezekiel 16 20 says then you took your sons and daughters the children you had born to me and sacrificed them to your gods was your prostitution not enough must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing them to idols and in proverbs 6 17 it says there are six things the lord hates no seven things he detests haughty eyes a lying tongue hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. And this world has fallen. I never really understood what scales on the eyes meant until so much has become like so plain in sight. And I pray that God opens eyes to the detestable act of abortion. There is never a reason to murder an innocent child. And I, I know that those who don't believe in god say they don't just it's just a clump of cells but it's not they're not and it's obvious why is it you know i know you've probably heard the argument you know molecules on a different planet like on mars are considered life on mars but a child growing in the womb is just a clump of cells it's just detestable and really weak arguments but a lot of people are just super indoctrinated um, into thinking that they're doing something virtuous, it's a false vanity in a way um, that they think they're doing something righteous because they don't have God in their life to give them right thinking. Um, the only way that we know true wisdom and knowledge is through God and His word. And I mean it makes sense, but it's just sad and it's so plain for us to see. it's just so right in your face and, everyone thinking that they have these new ideas and that they're so woke, but in reality, they're not because everything that's happened today happened before. And it just reminds me of Ecclesiastes. It's the same sin. Nothing is new under the sun. So the same sins are being committed today, you know, present day child sacrifice. And this is actually my main point because Our generation today is so incredibly full of themselves. I know I was before I started seeking the Lord and getting in the word and humbling myself. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like (laughs) I was, I think we all even today, like now, even if we're in the word, you know, I know there's sometimes I am absolutely full of myself. And Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Children are a reward. Um, in my last podcast, when I talked about children and how much we need to care for them, children are a reward. They aren't something that happened to you, you know, it's not something that happens to you. They are a gift from God. And we need to be raising them and treating them as such, you know, caring about that. And many people who are proudly denying their savior are so far into deception, like the toxic feminism movement, trying to make men, women and women, men, and it is wicked and evil and a deception and a work of Satan himself. I mean, it's just how cold must your heart be to kill an innocent child because of inconvenience, because of hardships. When is it ever okay to murder? And I know all of us as believers are usually on the same page besides possibly the progressive church. Um, I don't even call it. I just don't like that. It's even called a church because it's not Christianity at that point. I think there's some people who are in the progressive movement and they're just probably, and not in a political way, in a theological way. Um, Whenever you throw out some of the Bible and you don't take the Bible seriously, I just think there's a lot of issues there. And i believe that we need to take the Bible seriously and believe what it says. And if you are throwing parts of the Bible, you don't like out. um, It's not the Bible that has a problem. It's you. And we can't cherry pick the Bible, but continuing on, I blame much of the self-help books and the self-industry in general for promoting, you know, it's something as small as me time and self-love I know you've heard it. (laughs) The Bible tells us to deny ourselves plainly. It is literally spelled out in the Bible. Yet many of us, me included at times, are absolutely selfish in our actions because we believe we deserve to have time to ourselves, i.e. worship ourselves in some way. And I never thought a pedicure was meant to be a spiritual experience and help me be a better person. (laughs) I hope you sense my sarcasm. But I never, you know, it's just, I never thought of it as a spiritual experience, but that's the way that it is viewed today. The self-love movement. I mean, we're told not to love ourselves. Like we're told to love Christ and similar to the same sins of Babylon. We find sexual immorality, individuals claiming to go on journeys to find themselves. And much like the child worship in Babylon, we have individuals promoting sex to children as well as abortion. And why are we as believers in the Western world? So spoiled. Like, I honestly believe our nation, at least in America is under judgment. God is the opposite of the present culture and usually is because he is perfect. Like we're in a fallen world. I don't think there's ever a time that, you know, cultures are totally fully in line with God because we have a sinful nature and the world is imperfect, but as believers, we should not be seeking ourselves we should be seeking Christ. And in Luke 9, 23, it says, and he said to all, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And again, that's Luke 9.23. Especially as believers, we must stand out from this and set ourselves apart. Spending some time with God and having quiet time is not what I am talking about. Sometimes us moms do need a break. Like we need time with God. We need that time to unwind. Like I totally relate with that, but I'm talking about neglecting our gifts from God, our husbands, children, and sacrificing time with them on our altar, altar, (laughs) our altar that we have created called self. We are obsessed with how we look, how much money we have, what makes us feel good, how we can boost our self-esteem being, you know, air quotes, loving to others in a worldly way. And in the meantime, what matters most is sacrificed and including the spreading of the gospel, which should be at the top of our priority list, especially today. Like our lives are not, uh, not about us at all. Why did Jesus say to deny ourselves daily? God knows how full of ourselves we can be in Psalm 119 verses 37 to 38. It says, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways, establish your word to your servant as which to produce as which produces reverence for you. And I just love that we have committed so much sin, if not the action of committing the sins of the culture, but condoning them, we need to be loving like Christ, not the world and to love someone so much that we care enough to share the gospel and save them from eternity, separated from God and hell. We need to care about eternity rather than how we appear to others. We need Jesus. He is enough to sustain us, and he is enough, period. An abortion is the byproduct of a culture that has turned away from God, a culture that hates God, yet says there is no God, like I said before. (laughs) A culture that loves themselves more than another human life. A culture that regards beagles being experimented on as a bigger deal than babies being torn to pieces in the womb both are bad yet the culture mourns the dog and not the one made in the image of God and a culture of Christians caring way too much about what the world thinks of us to where churches are changing theology a major biblical doctrine to fit in with the woke cookies crowd in the name of John Cooper in the in the words of John Cooper so Romans 1 24 to 25 says therefore God gave them over In the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. We cannot expect the world to know how to love when they do not know the one who is, by definition, love. So what can we do? Well, we pray, we speak up, and we be bold for the gospel of Christ. No matter what anybody you know is going through, the answer is Jesus. It doesn't matter how they feel about sin that they're in. The gospel is what matters. We can be loving by sharing the gospel with them, loving by correcting them. Loving someone is not condoning a lifestyle that is sinful, an action that is sinful. That is not what we are called to do as believers at all. We are not called to condone, oh, it's just sinning a little. All sin is detestable to God. The gospel covered, you know, the blood of Jesus covers us. And I've just seen the, you know, you can be kind to somebody by sharing the gospel, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like sometimes loving people is sitting down and listening to where they're at, but you need to stand firm. I need to stand firm on what God says. We can't compromise with the world. There's no compromise It's either the culture or, you know, it's just, we cannot compromise, especially in this world. Like I see so many, including myself at times, like I just catch myself and I'm like, Oh, just applying the culture in some way. I mean, sometimes it's just like letting things slide. And you're just like, no, like I cannot blend in. We cannot blend in with the culture and be like, Oh yeah, that's okay. When it's not. And or pretend that something's okay. And we know in our heart that it's not. So we're not promised for things to get better, but there is peace through Christ. Why would we not want to share that with people who are so torn up inside and so battered by their sin? Why would we not want to save or Christ would save them, but why would we not want to share What can save them? That's the words I'm looking for. (laughs) And I love how I don't know if you have listened to Ray Comfort before, but Ray Comfort has such a big heart for sharing the gospel. He has a street ministry. And I just love how he talks about how important it is to share the gospel with people because to truly love somebody is to share the gospel because it's kind of like he uses a metaphor, an analogy of a car speeding towards a cliff. And even if you're in a car with a stranger, wouldn't you warn them that they're about to drive off a cliff to their death? And we're talking about eternal death in hell like eternity and the urgency needs to be there. We, and I hope that this encourages you to realize that number one, you're not alone. And two, that you can do this. You can share the gospel with people. And I think that we need to be doing that all the time. And Romans 10, 14 to 15 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? Wait, let me start that over. (laughs) I don't want to butcher this scripture. Romans 10, 14 to 15. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So I pray you finish up this installment today, encouraged to dig into the word and to be blessed by the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And I will leave you with this. Romans 10, 8 through 10, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. That is the simple gospel, you guys. A simple gospel. We need to be sharing that more. And I'm praying for you today. Stand firm, brothers and sisters, and I will see you next.